sing as one my land, my for this country we're walking on my land, my we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand program may contain traces of irony, sarcasm, satire, parody, mockery, banter, caricature, and nuts. The opinions expressed are almost certainly not shared by self-appointed officious dictatorial wowsers. If you are dangerously irony deficient or allergic to mockery of the self-important and corrupt, then get a life. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's time for another episode of the Environmental As Anything podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Sean O'Shaughnessy. Go on, take the money and run. That's the Steve Miller band, uh, probably giving some uh, some 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 good advice to the uh, the fossil fuel industry, uh, who have been uh, whining about uh, the possibility that their war profiteering uh, activities might be reined in slightly by the uh, the the uh, federal Australian government, and. Um, I have on the line uh, Tim Buckley, who is the Director of Climate, Energy and Finance, the uh, public interest think tank, uh, who has been uh, giving a great deal of deep thought to these issues. We've had uh, Tim on the show before. Uh, long-time listeners will, will uh, remember Tim's insights from the, uh, from shows gone by. But uh, we thank you, Tim, for joining Environmental as Anything again today. Uh, my pleasure to be with you here, Sean. It's uh, it's it's certainly been a a tumultuous uh, 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 like couple of weeks really, but uh, certainly last week the uh, the Albanese government decided that they were finally going to uh, bite the bullet and face down, stare down the, uh, the the fossil fuel industry and put a cap on uh, some of their activities. Now, I know you've previously uh, referred to the gas industry in particular in this country as a cartel. Would you say it's fair to call them war profiteers as well? Yes, unfortunately, they actually... uh, The greed of the fossil fuel cartel and the war profiteering they're doing is absolutely stark and evident to everyone. And it was interesting to read the... uh, outgoing CEO of Total in France just saying, look, at the end of the day, these are war profits. These are super normal profits. We did not invest expecting these sort of levels. It's only appropriate that the community most affected should share in some of the profits being made. And that's the evidence in Europe. But of course, in Australia, they're singing a completely different tune. They're going to make a record high $120 to $140 billion profit gross cash flow profit this calendar year alone and that's not enough for them so these uh, imposts by the federal government in conjunction with the state ministers will not in any way materially undermine that 120 billion dollar profit it might mean they don't make 140 billion i was estimating a range of 120 to 140 billion profit that is obscene mm. and yet you have the ceo of every one of these cartel operators whining like a stuck pig that their bonus could be even bigger if they uh, hadn't had to be forced to share some of their war profits with the people that are being smashed as a result of them by their gouging. And uh, they're whining that, uh, no, they should be left to have all the profits themselves because they're greedy pigs and their $6 million bonuses per person is not enough for them. They need to make even more money because obviously uh, they can't lie 
straight in bed. And, um, yeah, it's just obscene. And I'm, it's really pleasing to see the federal government having the spine eventually to call them out because, let's face it, at the end of the day, the ALP still takes huge donations from the fossil fuel industry, and I think that is a corruption and a perversion of our democracy. And uh, so it's great. Chris Bowen has acted with integrity. Albanese is giving him the mandate to work with the states to try and alleviate some of the obscene pressure and cost of living imposts that this industry is imposing on everyone else. So you've got the CEO of Santos going, oh, look, this is Soviet-style propaganda. I mean, it's just bullshit. I mean, there's no other word for it. <laughs> he is going to make $6 million bonus this year, the biggest bonus of his entire career. He's going to make record billion-dollar profits for his company and his shareholders, and yet he's whining about the, the fact that he can't make even more money. I mean, it's just blood money, and uh, yeah, I think you and I share the same view. This is just obscene. I'd rather he went back to Scotland. Yeah. Well, look, it's it's um, it is an outrage, and, and Aussies have been been labouring under the the you know like ex, you know this spiralling prices for for everything, and 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 you know the uh, and of course the interest rates and all the rest of it. But but energy prices leading the charge, and um, but so what has what has the decision been? Can you just quickly summarise for us what what are they actually doing uh, that that is causing this 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 whining and bleating from the uh, the 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 fossil fuels yeah so there is a number of measures that have been imposed this week and through a new act of parliament we have a regulatory legal intervention into a market failure and that's the key point i mean this crap about it being a soviet style intervention is crap there is a market failure and you mentioned rising interest rates i want to make sure all of your listeners understand the number one driver of higher interest rates, higher mortgages for every one of us, privileged enough to own our own home and have a mortgage, we get to double the amount of interest we now pay to the banks because of the fossil fuel industry, because we have rampant energy inflation, which is driving general inflation, which is driving higher, a doubling of mortgage prices. So mm. we need to understand the core component of that is hyperinflation of fossil fuels. So the federal government has worked with the state governments collaborating. I mean, there's a, a word that Angus Taylor just didn't even understand or comprehend, <laughs> collaborating with the states. And uh, so that, in its own right, is a beautiful breath of fresh air from Chris Bowen and the team and the federal government. They have imposed a regulatory cap on the price that the coal industry can charge the coal-fired power plants, 125 dollars a tonne for, for our coal. So that's, I'll just say that again. Australia's coal is being mined by private cartels. They are then selling it back to us. And Chris Bowen said, no, the maximum price you can sell it to us for is $125. Now, that's 25% higher than the average price in the last 25 years. But these guys are just bleating that how dare they have a price cap imposed on them. And then the gas industry has had a price cap for domestic use of gas, uh, sorry, $12 a petajoule. Now, again, $12 a petajoule had, is the record high domestic price of gas prior to this calendar year. So, again, they're bleating that it's an, a Soviet-style intervention, yet they're making the highest price they've ever had in world history in Australia. Um, and, by the way, their profits on exports totally unaffected by any of these moves. Mm. So they export 
70% of all the gas produced on Eastern Australia. They still make their war blood money on the back of 70% of their volume. So they'll make their $120 billion profit, but they're bleating, as you said. So at the end of the day, it is a price cap on the price that we buy back our coal and our gas to run our power generators. And so the beautiful confirmation that every one of your listeners needs to understand, the financial markets forecast what the wholesale electricity price will be next year. It's called the forward market. The forward market has dropped by up to 50% in the last six weeks in anticipation of this move by the federal government. So every one of us pays the wholesale price of electricity plus the cost of the grid transmission and the wholesale price of electricity in Queensland and New South Wales has dropped by 40 to 50% in the last six weeks. So any bleating by the CEO of Santos is purely that. It is purely misinformation because what the financial markets are telling us with immediate effect is there is a huge endorsement of this move by Chris Bowen, by Matt Keane and Lily D'Ambrosi and Mick DeBrenny and all of the state ministers, and we've seen a halving of the wholesale price of electricity in just the last month. So any lies to the contrary are just absolutely red herrings. The price of wholesale price of electricity has halved in the last six weeks. That's the key point of the moves made this last week. That's a fantastic, uh, like a fantastically quick response uh, from the uh, from the market to this uh, this signal, which has been put in place by. The, is, is that what's happened? Is this, the, this is the market anticipating this uh, signal, and and uh, the price is dropping over the past six weeks in anticipation of this uh, this decision. Do you think? Yes. No. That's exactly the way to to understand it, Sean. And let me reinforce that point because. There's also been bleating that they're going to now starve the industry of new investment. Now, last time I checked, we had a climate crisis, so starving the fossil fuel industry of new greenfield developments is actually probably a win for Australia, a win for the environment, a win for a livable planet. But they are, like BHP, Shell, Santos, they're all threatening the federal government, the state governments to withhold investment. All right. Um, so that's, that's a win. immediate response. <laughs> It's actually, ironically, a win for us. I, I'm with you on that. But the um, the proof in the pudding is that one of the biggest private equity investors in LNG in the world made a bid for Origin Energy um, in partnership with Brookfield about four weeks ago. And they made the bid and then they made it very clear that they expected a federal government intervention in the gas market and they were making a move to buy one of the largest LNG export facilities in Eastern Australia, knowing that there was a federal government intervention coming. So mm. for all the bleating from Santos's CEO, EIG, the, this American private equity firm, said, no, it's only appropriate that the government regulate prices in the near term because we've got a crisis. It's entirely acceptable. So all this crap about sovereign risk is nothing other than a red herring um, misinformation by the lobbyists behind the war profiteering going on. So that's that's my view. It's pretty clear that there has no sovereign risk for Australia. In fact, it is the Australian federal government representing the people of Australia as they were elected to do for the first time in a decade. So good yeah. on them.
What a relief, hey! And 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 the the, uh, the Fin Review is saying here uh, that, uh, that that this gas intervention is going to accelerate the transition and turning domestic markets into equivalent of a regulated asset base. The Albanese government will indirectly speed up the switch to renewables, which uh, which is it sounds like you're in agreement with that too. That this is likely to uh, uh, indirectly uh, help to accelerate that uh, that transition. Do you, do you, do you hold that view? Do you think? Do you agree with that? No, 100%. And we, in fact, saw the International Energy Agency come out earlier this month and flag that the decarbonisation of the world energy markets has accelerated way, way beyond their own expectations of only 12 months ago because of Putin's invasion of Ukraine and the resulting um, sanctions against Russia and the resulting hyperinflation of all things to do with fossil fuels. And they actually forecast that the investment in renewables globally was 30%, will now be 30% higher in the next five years than they were anticipating only a year ago. And in Australia, that is categorically what's happening. It'll actually be more than that. And uh, so what we have is an absolute acceleration of investments in zero emissions solutions that will permanently rectify the market failure that the fossil fuel industry has inflicted on us earlier this year. So I can see the, the, the panic running around with their underpants on the head response from the, the fossil fuels is actually reasonably appropriate given that their, their industry is, appears to be in a, in, a, in a terminal death spiral. It does, although they're not actually able to run around because they're so encumbered with their bags of gold that they're carrying (laughs) that they're plundering from the people of Australia. They can't run. (laughs) They're gluttonous. They're they're absolutely weighed down. Their conscience has been sold. Anyway, you get the point. But yes, and further to that, we've actually seen Chris Bowen, not only has he had a really big two weeks, he's come out this morning, he's still working today, He's actually announced the investment with ARENA. So the Australian Renewable Energy Association has made a big announcement today. They've announced they're investing $176 million of funding to support the development of eight new battery projects, eight of the largest battery projects in Australian history. And that's all the way from Mount Fox in North Queensland through Liddell in New South Wales down to Victoria, three in Victoria and then two in South Australia, that is 2,000 megawatts of dispatchable power wow. and $176 million investment by ARENA to accelerate that. All of those projects will be operating by 2025, which is really important because what the one point... I mean, I know Angus Taylor managed to get almost every aspect of whatever he said wrong, mm. but what he did say is the grid needs reliable energy and the way you have a reliable grid in 2022 or 2025, is to build more batteries. And so Chris Bowen is here accelerating eight major new battery projects in order to... And and it's a really important point that they're distributed through the grid, so grid reliability and grid strength. We Mm. have a very dispersed population. It might be populated in individual cities, but we have obviously a huge country. It's a privilege to live here, but that does actually strain the grid. And so these batteries will reinforce grid reliability and services, and that will allow ever greater penetration of wind and solar into the grid to um, solve the uh, decarbonisation and energy crises that we're all feeling right now. Mm, mm. 
Wow. Okay. So, and the other question that's on my mind uh, is the, the the one that's being raised widely is the idea of a super profits tax, and and uh, you know, like we we I saw a graph this morning from the Australia Institute comparing Australia and uh, Norway, where they have uh, you know like uh, response responses to these uh, super profit situations where revenue tends to map closely with the profitability uh, of the, the, the their fossil fuel companies. But here in Australia, we have a flat line essentially of uh, revenue from the, the fossil fuel industry because we don't respond effectively to these super profit situations. Do you think there's a, a, a good case for the super profits tax here? Yes, I think... That's a really important point you make, that the one area which I've been disappointed so far from the federal government and the New South Wales government is that we actually need to... Like, every every one of your listeners is feeling the pressure of cost of living, whether it's through their mortgage, their general inflation or their energy inflation, because of the fossil fuel industry. They're making 120 to $140 billion. So they're making out like the war bandits that they are... Mm. Um, but we need the federal government to move on taxation and make sure that the multinationals who are operating in Australia at our invitation actually play by Australian rules, and that means you actually pay some fair share of corporate tax. Well, that seems to be lost on Chevron, Glencore, uh, Exxon, BP, Shell, you name it. If they're a multinational, the chances are they've paid zero corporate tax in the last decade, according to the Australian Tax Office. So I think it's really now beholden on Jim Chalmers to accelerate the Treasury review he's got into multinational tax avoidance. Mm. And I'll, I'll throw into that the LinkedIn's, the Twitter's, the uh, Microsoft's. Like you try and get a, a, an invoice from Twitter or LinkedIn, and it's impossible. They just Your money goes offshore, mm. and that should be illegal. Mm. And uh, I think it, it, that needs a tightening of the legislation, and that's up to Jim Chalmers to do. I would hope that is very high on his gender. He said he's doing a review, so he's doing it methodically and correctly and sensibly. Um, but we need to see an immediate removal of all the fossil fuel subsidies that are, are going in there, entrenched fossil fuel snouts in the trough subsidies. So we all pay our fair share of tax or more than our fair share of tax because these uh, players, for want of a better word, are... Mm. Uh, getting off scot-free, so they need to lift their game. So if Shell wants to operate in Australia, they pretend they're a good corporate citizen, they should play by Australian rules, not by their tax haven-based CEO's self-interest. Mm. And um, so that would be the first thing, remove the subsidies. And then for New South Wales, I have been calling consistently for the last six months that Matt Keane has to step up. The Liberal Party has to stare down the National Party because at the moment we've got a um, minority government in New South Wales. The Nationals are holding the Liberal Party hostage exactly as Barnaby Joyce did to the federal government before they got turfed out, thankfully. Mm. Um, but we've got the same problem in New South Wales. So the Liberal Party wants to represent the people of Australia and New South Wales, but they can't because the Nats won't let them. So mm. they're, they're effectively leaving $2 billion a month or $25 billion a year at the moment at current coal prices in term on the table and it, what can you I mean it's impossible to imagine what the New South Wales government could do with an extra 15 billion dollars of oh. coal royalties just in the next 12 months let me give you a suggestion they could pay off the entire deficit of New South Wales just as Queensland mm -hmm. is now doing because they've got a progressive coal royalty 
thanks to Cameron Dick's political courage, mm. Cameron Dick being the, the treasurer in Queensland. But not only could you pay off the entire fiscal deficit for the next 12 months, but you could put $5 billion or even $10 billion into a regional transition fund so that the workers and communities most affected are actually in a position to see a path to industries of the future so their communities don't wear all the costs and, and not have the opportunities that the rest of us are going to get. So mm. I would be calling for a regional transition fund to be funded from the windfall gains, and that then also allows the New South Wales government to stare down the coal companies, not the workers, the coal companies, that are making their war profits. And, of course, like the fossil fuel, like the oil industry, the gas industry, the coal industry, they're mostly foreigners. Like We're talking Glencore of Switzerland, a tax haven, mm. or Yankol of China, or Boomi of Thailand. I mean, most of these companies are foreign, and yet they pay no corporate tax, and yet they're, they're resisting the idea of having a progressive coal royalty like we have in Queensland, where on the marginal revenue, one year in 20, we get the, the, the Queensland people get 40% of the windfall revenues. And in any normal year, it has no impact. But one year in 20, they'll actually share some of their windfall profits and that would actually help really uh, moderate the impact and offset the impact of the um, transition that's invariably going to hit the Hunter Valley really quite hard and the Illawarra quite hard. Yep. But just like we saw with BHP when it, it shut its um, uh, Newcastle Coal Works, the industry does actually rejuvenate. The community rejuvenates. Now Newcastle is probably stronger than it's ever been before as a city, mm. but that does mm. require some upfront investment. And so I think it's really important that the people most affected see that some money is being put aside to actually fund that. And who better than war profiteering um, foreigners to actually pay a little bit of their fair share to fund that transition? Mm. Yeah, right Great. Sounds like a great plan. So just to summarise, the fossil industry is a, 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 a cartel of war profiteers and tax dodgers and whingers. Uh, but the, uh, the federal government's doing uh, some, taking some moderate but effective action to try to rein in the worst excesses. Um, you, you've mentioned the battery uh, options that are coming up that are being developed. Do you see other uh, great long-term uh, opportunities here for us in Australia? I do. And one of the biggest, biggest opportunities, and I was talking with the federal government um, at length this week about it, is as we actually see Australia develop the renewable energy superpower theme that Ross Gunno's been talking about for, I don't know, 40 years, mm -hmm. it's now absolutely front and present and absolutely doable, but we do need to see how we use that phenomenal wind and solar resource and landmass of Australia to actually build really cheap renewables, and by that I'm talking $100 billion of new investment in regional Australia, mm. but then we need to actually embody that in decarbonisation of our critical minerals before we export them mm. so that we can actually export decarbonisation to our international trade partners, mm. and that will drive another $100 billion of new investment in uh, Re refining of our mineral products. So effectively, we're talking about a wholesale reindustrialization of the Australian economy. Mm. And I see that as really exciting. And uh, that'll be driven by a permanent 
50, 60% reduction in energy prices versus where they are today, and I'll actually go further, a 70% reduction in mm. energy prices versus where they've averaged in 2022. And so Australia is going to have the lowest energy prices in the world, and it'll all be zero emissions energy, so therefore we can help our trade partners with decarbonisation, seen in reindustrialisation of our economy, and that will then build the momentum for the next 20, 30, 40 years, which means not only you leave the planet a better place for our children and their children, but we actually leave a sustainably stronger economy that's helping our Pacific neighbours and our peers up in Japan and Korea and China and India, building geopolitical stability by working hand-in-glove with India, and then all of a sudden we can downplay our over-reliance on the uh, American military complex, mm. and um, let's, let's build it. And so we actually get a safer world for, for our children to live in as well. Tim, it's a vision splendid, and it's fortunately it's not even unrealistic. It's all perfectly uh, feasible, and indeed there's a lot of uh, serious people putting a lot of serious money into uh, actually making it happen, aren't there? So that's uh, that's a, I think that's a great note to wrap it up with. Absolutely. I will just do a plug there. It was really interesting to see the Greens and the Teals working hand-in-glove together on the ALP at the Fed. We push through Saul Griffiths, electrify everything. And uh, so that is going to fast track the move to the vision that I'm talking about. It is, as you said, it is absolutely in front of us. It is entirely plausible, feasible. And in fact, I talk to financial institutions every day about the investment opportunities and they're absolutely excited by the opportunity to invest in that future for our children. Fantastic. Oh, that's so exciting. I must uh, get you back soon to talk more about uh, what's going on in that financial space. Uh, it's, it's great to have that kind of good news to be able to, to celebrate. Thank you, Tim, uh, for joining us today. My pleasure. Merry Christmas. Yes, you too. Merry Christmas to you. That was Tim Buckley, uh, who is the Director of Climate Energy Finance, a public interest think tank, and uh, who has been looking very closely into the, uh, the, the e- economics of the, uh, the energy transition uh, for a long time now. So uh, thanks to uh, Tim for bringing his perspective to bear on us and, in fact, bringing us some, uh, some really some good news uh, on that front, uh, which is um, long overdue after all of the decade or so of uh, gross failure that we've had from our federal governments in the past. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Environmental As Anything podcast. Uh, I'll be bringing them to you as regularly as I can. If you'd like to tune in to more of this kind of uh, material, uh, there's plenty of episodes available. You can subscribe to our podcast, and while you're there, you might as well rate it and help uh, spread the word by sharing it on social media if you can. We're on social media, of course, on Facebook particularly. You can find us anywhere you look for environmental as anything. And if you're really keen to see the show carry on, please do go and support us on Patreon. Again, you can find us by just searching environmental as anything Patreon. Thank you for your support. Be gentle with yourselves. Be kind to each other. And remember, we are all in this together. Uh-huh.